God created the heavens and the earth, all of the animals, the plants, the trees, and then he created man from the dust of the earth. And then he said, it's not good that man live alone, Genesis chapter 2. It's not good for man to be alone. So God created a helpmeet for man. He created a woman and brought her to the man. And he created her by making the man go into a deep sleep. And God opened up his chest, took a rib from the man, obviously closing up the chest, and created from that rib of that man a woman. And Adam said she will be called woman because she is flesh of my flesh, Genesis 2. At the time of Noah, God looked upon the men of the earth to see what they were like, and God described them. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. What will it be today if God looks upon this earth? Well, the majority of people are not seeking God. We know that. Look at the pictures on television, news, when they have parties, when they go to the beaches in Fort Lauderdale and different places. We can tell what they're doing. They're not seeking God. They're seeking someone to have sex with. Or they're drunk. They're being drunken. The masses of college students. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And there's something else that God saw about man at that time. The earth also was corrupt before God. For when God created the heavens and the earth at the end of the sixth day, he said he looked upon the creation and it was very good. But man corrupted the way of God and disobeyed God through Adam. And sin came upon all after that because the works of the flesh are evil. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. What's it like today? Do we see that today? Of course we do. It's very violent today. There are people that are killing people and making the headlines on the news, and they don't even know the people they're killing. They're just going in and randomly shooting people. What is this? This, of course, is devils, but it's also man yielding to the flesh. Yielding to the thoughts of the devil. Yielding to the things of the flesh where he's been maybe injured by someone. So he just goes out and takes out his wrath on everybody. That's not at all unusual to see in the headlines today. So at the time of Noah, the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So as we know, God brought 
the flood, caused it to rain forty days and forty nights. But he told Noah, and Noah was a righteous man in the sight of God. And because of Noah, God did not destroy Noah because he was righteous. He made a way out for Noah. He told Noah to build an ark. And he told Noah exactly how large to make this ark, how to build it, the materials to use, and everything else. That's in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. And at the time before God brought the rains, he told Noah to take pairs of animals into the ark to save their lives, and his wife and his sons and his daughters-in-law to take them into the ark to save them. And he told him when to go into the ark, and then when Noah went into the ark, it says, and God shut the door. Think of how hard this would be. You're going to be in this ark, and all of your neighbors are going to be destroyed by God. And they, when it starts to rain, and it keeps raining 40 days and 40 nights, at some point they're going to try to get into that ark. Your flesh might be so weak that you would open that door and destroy everyone in the ark. But God shut the door. The water was above every mountain, and as the, it kept raining 40 days, 40 nights, the rain lifted the ark above the mountains. But the, every mountain was covered by the waters. We live in Colorado Springs, and you see Pikes Peak, and it, it's right there at Colorado Springs. You easily see it every time you leave your house. It's 14,000 feet high, and I sometimes think about this. The water was above Pikes Peak. It was above the highest mountain on earth, the Himalayas. The water covered them. Everything that lived on the earth and breathed was killed, except for Noah and those who were in the ark. There is a passage of scripture in Hebrews which talks about this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. After I was born again one time, I visited a little tiny Church of Christ group. I went to their Sunday school class, which was obviously taught by their minister. There were about eight of us in the class, and it was more of an open discussion type thing. And the pastor asked a question. He said, did Noah really condemn the world? And I said, yes. And everybody looked at me horrified. I said, yes, Noah condemned the world. Because Noah obeyed God, and they didn't. And by his obedience, he condemned the world. That's exactly the way it's going to be now. And the day of judgment, those who obey God will condemn the world because God will say to that violator, well, 
Pam Padgett obeyed me. You didn't. By her obedience, the world is condemned. By my obedience, the world is condemned. By our obedience as the elect of God, by doing the will of God according to the Spirit of God by the New Testament Bible, the world is condemned because we do what the Bible says and they don't. Well, you can just imagine in the days of Noah, it starts to rain, it keeps raining, it doesn't stop. At some point, people are desperate. They're going to pound on the door of that ark trying to get in there. But God shut the door. In the scriptures, it says God shut the door. That's in somewhere in Genesis chapter 6 or 7. God shut the door. After the flood, God told Noah when to come out of the ark. He didn't come out immediately. God told him when to leave the ark and when to take all those animals out that he had collected. And Noah obeyed God. That was always the key of Noah. He obeyed God. He found grace in God's sight. He obeyed what God said to do. That's, that's the thing now, obeying what God says to do. And we read this in Genesis 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hands are they delivered. Remember Adam back there in Genesis chapter 2 and 3? 2, I think, is where this is. God brought all the animals before Adam, and Adam named those animals. Have you ever had an animal? Did you name it? In naming that animal, I find that we are accepting an animal as ours and we are accepting dominion over that animal. I happen to have a cat, and I sometimes have to remind myself, now you are in charge of that cat. That cat is not in charge of you. But it is true. I am in charge of the cat. We are in charge. That's because God ordained it this way. God ordained that the man would rule over the woman after the transgression of Adam and Eve eating the fruit that was forbidden. There was a penalty on the woman, and, and God stated that in childbearing, she would have much increase of pain in childbearing. And secondly, her husband would rule over her, and her desire would be to her husband, and he would rule over her. I wanted very much to marry. I dated men, and every time I dated someone, it was like God removed them. One man was even saying to me, Now, Joan, don't stop praying about us marrying. And he just disappeared. I saw him later, but he just disappeared for a period of time. 
it was very clear to me that God was removing these men that I was dating. One man, and this was at the time when I owned a business, one man, I saw him get out of his car. There were big plate glass windows in front of my business. I could see the people when they drove up on the parking lot. I saw him get out of the car and come toward my shop, and I heard a word from God, and it was. You can have all the money you want, but you're not going to have this. And I thought God was telling me I wouldn't marry Bob. But what God was really telling me is I wouldn't marry. I had a different call on my life. Now, most women are going to marry, so don't get scared. The story. But I had a call of God on my life. I was taken into heaven twice when I was born again, right after I was born again. It was in the night as I slept. I was transported into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images like physical images. It was a spiritual experience. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights later after this, the same thing happened again twice. In the next five years, it was revealed very strongly to me that I was a prophet, and God taught me the scriptures about prophets and showed me the work the New Testament prophets do and prepared me for this work. One day I was riding along, and God said to me, I've called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I I said, Apostle? What's an apostle? Well, we know from Ephesians 4 that Jesus, after he was resurrected, gave gifts to the church, and they were some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints. So there are apostles in the New Testament church. God had to teach me what they do. Basically, it's quite simple. Mostly, you work with church doctrine. You work with the Bible to try to bring people to the doctrines of the Bible because the church has changed the scriptures and they eliminate some of the scriptures and you're always trying to get the individual to return to those specific scriptures of the New Testament Bible and that's primarily the work of of an apostle. But because of these two works, it's my opinion that I could not marry because of these two offices. Certainly a prophet could marry, but I was going to be put in a position where really no man would rule over me, just like Moses and Joshua were, because I was going to deal with those scriptures, and they fight against me all the time on the subject of divorce, remarriage, and also homosexuals and lesbians even. Some of the churches now will fight fight you when you try to give those scriptures on this subject in Romans chapter 1. And they admit homosexuals and lesbians without them having repented of the sin of homosexual lesbian. And it is a sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 tells us that. Starting at verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men 
leaving the natural youth of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Yes, a homosexual could be saved. Yes, a lesbian could be saved. Yes, a person committing adultery can be saved. But they cannot continue in the sin. Jesus told the woman who was taken in adultery in John 8, he said, Go and sin no more. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says to us, starting at verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? You won't inherit the kingdom of God if you're committing these sins, Paul says. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You won't inherit the kingdom of God if you are doing these sins. But if you repent and turn from the sin, of course you will. But you can't go back to the sin, for there's no more sacrifice for that sin if you return to that sin. Second Peter chapter 2. Start at verse 20. The apostle Peter says, For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world... Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter says it'd been better if you'd never even been born again than to be born again and turn back to the sin. It's a very serious matter. So Noah and his sons, and all living creatures in the ark were brought out of the ark and multiplied on the face of the earth. From that point forward, we are all descendants of Noah and his sons. Have we changed from what they were in Genesis chapter 6 when God destroyed the earth with water? He's going to destroy the heaven and the earth in the end with fire. Have humans changed from the nature of the natural man, from the nature of the flesh? The only thing that's happened since Adam is Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, 
We who are eliminated by God, born again, it's not by our will, by the will of God. We who are born again by God are given the Holy Spirit that we can overcome the flesh through walking after the ways shown us by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we control all these works of the flesh by doing what the Spirit says to do. Therefore, we are different from the ones that were destroyed by the water. We are righteous because God has shown us what to do. Our righteousness is of God, not of ourselves. We're simply following instructions given us by God. And because we do those things that God shows us to do, our righteousness is of God. And God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. So he gives us the Word. We do the Word that we would not be destroyed by the wrath of God, which comes at the end, because it will come upon the, the apostate churches. They will be destroyed at the end. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 shows us that. Also, verses 10 through 12. We can look at that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They fell away from Scripture, as we see in verse 3. Antichrist moved in and took over and set himself up to rule over the church. And in verse 8 it says, When Jesus returns... And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verses 10 through 12, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They turn from Scripture. They set up other doctrines. They defend their churches because they say, this is what our church teaches, even though it's opposite from what the New Testament Bible says. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We who are the elect of God, the minute we see a scripture, we agree with God. So when we see the scripture on homosexuals and lesbians, it's not our idea. We are agreeing with God. And that is what we do as the elect of God. All through our life, God reveals truth to us from the holy scriptures. And we agree with him. And that's all we're doing, is agreeing with the Bible. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.